Hi there, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to season four of Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit because leadership belongs to all of us. It is not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Imperfect Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. So welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm so delighted today to have Des Haig with me. And he's got this beautiful combination of the Irish-English accent. We were just chatting before we hit record, because that's where my family descends from. So I'm just delighted to have you on the show, Des. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here, Deb, with you. So one of the things we've done for season four is, I love your bio, but I would like you to share with our listeners, and we're very proud to have a listenership in 65 countries that we don't take lightly. Tell our listeners a little bit about your story, Des, and why you wanted to be on the podcast. Terrific, and great to be here with you, 65 countries listening. Um, you know, a little bit about me, I'm, um, I'm a nine-time CEO. I've run large organizations, multi-billion dollar complex organizations, such as IHOP, the largest hospitality a restaurant chain family dining in the world. I've been involved with 7-Eleven and Safeway and Centerplate, the uh, North America's largest event and hospitality company. But I didn't stop, you know, in, in uh, with a silver spoon. I started in a small town in Belfast. My family moved uh, after my father's business was set on fire. It was in the 60s. It was a very traumatic time. We fled to the north of England. Uh, we scrapped and scraped all my life. I didn't have a TV until I was 11 years old. We had, you know, tough times and, you know, it gave me a confidence and belief in myself that, you know, I really believe this. You're going to suffer adversity. Defeat is optional. Keep moving. Keep positive. Keep, uh, you know, a belief in yourself. And so throughout my life, uh, that's what I've done. And, you know, I, I, I love running businesses. It's kind of what I'm built for. I also have uh, authored my first book uh, talking about some of the adversities that I've had in my life that I'd like to share with you and, you know, talk about the, the dangers of cancel culture and other things. But um, I like to help people, uh, you know, be inspired and fulfill their dreams. And that's what I try and do on a daily basis. Well, one of the things that really uh, intrigued me to have you on the show is, is you have been in these C-suite positions and a lot of people get an idea or some type of image in their mind of, of what a C-suite leader does. And, and like you said, you, you've been at that in nine different roles. So my first question is, what drew you to the hospitality industry? I mean, you share a little piece of your youth and your upbringing and moving from Ireland to England. But what yeah. drew you to want to work in, in a really people-focused industry like hospitality? It's a great question, and I wish I knew the pre precise answer. Uh, but I would tell you, you know, life is about, you know, it's like what did um, Forrest Gump say? It's like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get at times. I, I grew up and, and uh, left home when I was 15. I was homeless. Mm -hmm. And a friend of a friend owned a fish and chip shop. 
And it was either really, I'm going to live in the park as a vagrant or I'm going to get a job. And I happened to, you know, get into that life of being a server in a fish and chip shop, scrubbing the floor with a toothbrush, doing all the remedial work, peeling 250 pounds of potatoes a night. And I, I loved it. Um, you know, maybe I was a sucker for punishment, but I, I loved being in that environment where I saw the owner, even in a fish and chip shop, be able to say, how do I differentiate? I have to have the freshest cod in town. I have to have the best servers. I have to have a line. I like people lining up for my food because it lets people know the food's good. I would have never known those things. And, and that led me to a life, you know, in the corporate world of running at Burger King and Pizza Hut's and going to Poland uh, when the wall came down, opening up, you know, massive restaurants for KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell. And then, you know, the rest of my journey is running retail and running large complex businesses. And it was really, um, it was just fortuitous, I would say, Debbie. It wasn't a well-thought-out strategy, but it's a business that I know if you do well and you love, you can do great things for people and you'll be rewarded. Absolutely. And, and you know, it sounds like such a simplistic answer. And I've had a lot of C-suites say it's common sense, but I haven't made it my common practice. And I just, I love how, the simplest things that you were doing, peeling potatoes and learning the art of differentiation, like all of those transferable skills at such a young age showed up probably every time you took on a new venture, which I think is just beautiful. Thank you. Okay, my second question has permanent residency on the show. I've asked well over 260 leaders this question and it's it's the name of the show. Share with us, what imperfections that Des brings to his heart-centered leadership. Laughter and candor is, is permitted, but I'll remind you, it's just a 30-minute show. So if you had to pick your top one or two imperfections, which one has been on repeat for you? Well, I could go 30 minutes on my imperfections. <laughs> my wife should come on the show. She'd give you a whole week of imperfections. Um you know, I, I think you've always got to think about your strengths to an extreme become your weakness. Yeah. And so I always think about, you know, I believe I can, you know, solve the world's problems. I believe I can do a lot more um, than, you know, maybe even physically possible. So I put a lot of pressure on myself. So the first thing is, you know, give yourself, you know, cut yourself some slack. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> I love the Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. You make a mistake, you move on. Uh, you you know, you, you can't you can't live in that permanent sentence. It's like being in a prison. You got to move forward. So I think you know, a chat, you know, really thinking about uh, how much I drive myself is, is number one. Number two, I, I like to do a lot. I like I like to I like to multitask. I sometimes don't you know uh, give the person who's speaking my full attention. And that's pretty bad. You know, you got to think about, you know, how would you like it if you walked into somebody's room and you didn't lift your head up? You know, uh, you know, it's the little things. It doesn't have to, imperfections, small, become big if you don't, if you don't manage them well. Well, that was well said. I like that. Two, two great examples. Okay, my third question is, I want you to share with us the story that led to the idea to write your book. 
because I I know it was a painful time in your life. And I'd love for you to share an overview with the listeners and why you felt compelled to really write and tell that story. Yeah. I, I One of the things that I really dislike about living in the social media era and it is that everything is blown out of proportion. Everything is taken to the extreme. And I really mean everything. It's very, you, you can't say, hey, don't generalize, don't, you know, paint everybody with the same brush. The mad people, the keyboard assassins on Twitter and social media just wreak havoc in people's lives. I made a mistake almost a decade ago where I lost my temper after having my fingers dislocated on my right hand by my friend's dog. And I tried to discipline the dog and it was, I'm nudging the dog into the elevator. I'm pulling on its leash, which is a harness, by the way, Deb, that even if I swung the animal around, it couldn't have hurt the dog. What I was trying to do is show who's in command, show who's the alpha and get some, you know, and put some discipline. And I got to tell you, this thing was blown up like I was beating, uh, you know, I might have burned down a village, beaten my wife, discipline, you know, beat up my kids. Uh, I was, you know, demonized as persona non grata, not even persona non grata. I would say I was set afire in the digital square and crucified on the hour every hour. And it was just an unbelievable moment, Deb, in my book, as I've said to you, I've, I left home when I was 15 after six years of being physically abused almost on a nightly basis, protecting my brothers. I was homeless at 15, homeless again at 18, was raped as a teenager. You know, I, I, I've dealt with some really horrific moments. And I just for you and your listeners in these little 65 countries, what I can tell you is none of those experiences came close to the utter destruction and the de deconstruction of my life by the Twitter mob. It was, I, I, I mean, my wife got death threats, cut out in the newspaper clippings like, we know where you live. You are not safe. My son at the time who was leaving for college to go to Paris was physically attacked by somebody outside of Walgreens. And you, you got to think, what are these people thinking? Even if I was at fault, which I recognize that I should not have over-disciplined, I've already apologized to that, but you can't make an apology on Twitter. It's impossible. As soon as you do, they want to attack you and just deconstruct you uh, and punish you some more. There's not, redemption's not in their vernacular. But even if I was to blame, these unhinged people attack family and friends. Mm. They know no boundaries. So I wrote the book, Deb, after deep reflection. It took me several years to overcome this. I was a mental wreck. I was drinking too much. I wasn't, I've always woke up, Deb, every day feeling happy for whatever reason. I can go to bed most occasions, nearly 99.9%. I know if I get some sleep, I'll reset somehow and think, isn't life great? Just move on. It's always been my way. But after you've seen your name, your reputation, everything that you stand for, be completely positioned 
as something 180 to who you are, mm. it's hard. And so for years, I'd shrank in position. I wasn't myself. I didn't know if I ever would be, become happy uh, again. And so with all that mushed in, I wrote the book because you can never give up. It doesn't matter how much the hate is hit. I said to somebody last night, they'll always hate. Mm -hmm. They'll always have somebody they don't like. And that's okay. Just don't allow it to destroy you and who you are and who you stand for and how you can comport yourself and the lessons you can share and the encouragement you can give and the lifting up of others. Don't allow this very small fraction to destroy who you are. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote the book, you know, for really three key reasons. One is very therapeutic for me. I never, unfortunately, was allowed to get my story out because the media, the you know, social media, the bad actors who were involved uh, in this, they took they took my ability when I resigned. I thought it would. I thought that this would die down. It never did. Just continues and continues and continues. So I wrote the book as a, a therapeutic thing. Secondly, I wrote the book because I want others to really stand up for other people. Not my, not me. Other people who've suffered their hands at cancel culture. I love what Jennifer Anderson said recently. She came and said, not everybody's Harvey Weinstein. Why are we painting everybody with the Weinstein brush? Mm-hmm. Even better, uh, in my book, I, I say, my, I, I let the readers know, my first record that I ever bought was from Dolly Parton, Jolene. Mm-hmm. And I, ironic, I, ironically, Dolly Parton came out last week and said, do you know what? Stop cancel culture. If God can forgive, I'm sure I can forgive. And that's the message that I'm wanting others. You see it on a daily basis that people getting canceled, people getting their lives destroyed. Now, luckily, I had my family. I've run successful companies. I really, you know, while it hurt me monetarily, I survived and I will always be okay. Others aren't so fortunate. So I wrote the book to give people who are going through their own adversity strength to continue and then hopefully encourage other professionals like, you know, serious-minded people, normal people, if you like, to not allow themselves to stay silent. I I think Einstein said, you know, it's not the evil that people do. It's good people standing idle and let and watching. We we can't watch. We can't be a bystander in this era of cancel culture madness. Yeah. So that was the second. And the third reason is, I hope it's an encouraging life story. I I didn't come from means. I created myself. It was a rags from riches story. I I uh, there's many lessons in my book of how I ran these companies, what were the, what was my thinking when I went into these companies? I think there's nuggets for people to get and, and have confidence that nobody's perfect and move on. So that's really the genesis behind the book and the messages I'm wanting to convey. And I, I love it. And that thank you for sharing and being authentic and, and vulnerable. And that is why I wanted you on the show. Like, if there's no room for imperfection, we all need a, sometimes a little uh, a little mindset reset because if there's no room for imperfection, 
there is no perfection. It's an intangible reality. And I love your story. I, I love that you, you have threaded it into a leadership book. Uh, I'm a new author, so I, I join you and, and I know the, the heart and the grit and the frustration and all the feels that goes into authoring a book. So I, I'm excited to exchange books with you because I, I, I think we'll find some common threads for sure. Now, my last leadership question, if you were to meet the younger version of Des, knowing what you know now and thinking about everything you have experienced, what advice would you give to a young person today who might be considering leadership and maybe they're not afforded an opportunity to go to post-secondary or have opportunities the way you created opportunities Give some advice for some of our listeners that might resonate and and I may be talking about that. Well, first of all, Deb, congratulations on your book. I know the kind of work and effort you had to put in to do it. And uh, I, I can't wait to read it. I'm actually just had my second book sent to my publisher. And so I'll, I'll be launching my second book. So we're in competition now, Deb. There so you get go. your act together. Okay. No, so great, great questions, really. I mean, when you think about it, it's always about how can you pass on your knowledge to others uh, so they can succeed and drive and be successful. And if I was going back 30 years and saying, well, what would I give to young Des? You know, um, the, the number one thing I would say is you do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't cost money to have commitment, mm -hmm. to have vigor, mm -hmm. to, to really, you know, school yourself. I left home at 15. I had zero qualifications, mm -hmm. but I made hard work my best friend. And I, and I feel today, and I don't want to go, these youngsters don't get it and what's happened to society. I don't want to play that card, but I, I really worry when people don't want to put in hard work, oh, I want to be, I want to be, you know, I want to work from home and I want to do 20 hours a week, but I want to live like a goat, you know, greatest of all time. That's not really going to happen. You might, the 1% or the point, 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 one percent they may be an influencer. They may be a, you know, Kardashian. They may be a Jenner or whatever, uh, or a great musician, but very, very few are going to be in that category. The rest of us is how you do whatever it takes to win. You know, do any task, do any job, go anywhere, take a lateral, take a, take a, you know, uh, even a pay cut to learn other skills that are actually going to be more beneficial for you in the long run. So I suppose we do whatever it takes, know the long game. Know your long game. What is it? I always, the second thing I would say, Deb, is when I was in my darkest moments thinking, I don't even know if I want to continue, I, I, uh, my, my head doctor, and I always was embarrassed about this, but I'm no longer, you need to use all the resources available to you. Mm -hmm. And this uh, woman, you know, was responsible for re-sparking my, my ignition an enthusiasm for life. Mm. Um, I, sh I should say, of course, my wife did that first. And forgive me for all my sins and my imperfections. 
which are all laid bare in the book, raw, real, and unfiltered. But I, but I would say that in my darkest moments, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, was a book delivered just at the right time. And I hope it will be for your listeners and your viewers. And that is, if you have a why to live for, you can cope with almost any how. So with whatever it takes, I would highly suggest and recommend that people who are listening, viewing, say, okay, what's my why? And work on that. Yeah. What are you passionate about? And now I'm passionate about tennis. I think that in my mind, I can beat Roger Federer. In reality, I can't, and I'll never make any money by playing tennis. It's fun. So you've got to be careful between a passion Yes. that you like and a passion that you can really harness and drive. You know, it's like the future you. So what is it that you want? What is it? What's your why? Yeah. And how'd you get there? So whatever it takes, what's your why? And then I would also say, don't take yourself too seriously if I was talking to young days. Yeah. At times I've took myself in my life a little bit too seriously. Yeah. I sell Pancakes. I sell ketchup in a in a, in a Safeway. I sell food, a hot dog in a stadium. I'm not solving world peace, you know, AIDS and and some, you know, COVID issue. Comport yourself accordingly. Yeah, you know, have have some humility, yeah. and, and lead with laughter. You know, don't be so anal retentive. Actually, you know. Think about life as a fun place that you do good things in. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to pivot to my fab four. These are just four rapid questions. Oh. We want to know what's sitting on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. <laughs> Question number yeah. one, share with me a word or a phrase that shows up daily in your leadership. Just do it. I love it. I, I was hoping you were going to say onwards, that beautiful light hanging on the wall behind you. I can't believe I didn't say onwards. I know. I, 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 I'm, I'm shocked. I got can I, can I Can I retract my previous answer, Deb? It's definitely onwards, which I've used for 20 years. <laughs> now, the second one, I think you answered a minute ago, because I was going to ask you for a recommendation of a book that you feel was impactful. And I think I think you gave that to us. And that that book has been listed on the podcast before. So I, I think I'm going to accept that answer because that is a great book. If can, there's can I can I can I change? Yeah, can I add it one more, Deb? Seriously, yeah. for anybody who's interested in business and doing things differently, The Innovator's Dilemma. I Good think night. people should know the law of disruption, how you disrupt yourself and how you can recreate and reshape industries. Love it. Okay, the third question, I got to give you a bit of context. So I'm granting you a wish and you get to have dinner with any leader of your choice. Now, this leader could be living or maybe this leader has passed away. Who are you having dinner with and what is the dinner conversation? Personally, you know, from my roots, I, I, uh, I think one of the greatest humans to walk the earth was uh, Winston Churchill. Mm -hmm. So I, I would love, I would love um, to sit down, have dinner. I'd love to know what he, how he learned from his um, unbelievable mistakes made in World War I and, uh, 
and then also how he had the conviction and the courage to lead a nation through a perilous time in World War II. And then, obviously, you know, what was it like to be pushed out by the government? So the greatest guy, I think, who's ever been prime minister, maybe Margaret Thatcher as well, mm -hmm. in England, and then was just cast aside. And how, you know, how did he overcome and keep moving? And the guy was a force to the end. Yeah. So before I ask you my fourth question, which is going to be to finish the sentence, I want to say it's been delightful to meet you. I look forward to changing, uh, exchanging books. I do have so the do idea for my second book, which I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to share. I'm going to keep you in suspense, but I, I'm going to I'm going to hit all the younger heart centric leaders on the globe with with book number two. And I find your story inspiring. And I think when we exchange books, you're going to find some parallels with me, which is probably why having you on resonated with me. I love one of the phrases you said during our interview, find the lateral. I love that. That's going to stick with me today. So finish the show by finishing this sentence. Heart-centered leadership is? Authenticity, leading with humor, being vulnerable, keeping it real, allow your feelings to be expressed, and just encourage the world that they can do great things and be there to lift them up. Be their biggest fan, supporter, and inspirer. Thanks so much for joining me today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show today and have learned some new tools for your leadership toolkit from our amazing Heart-Centered guest. If you like the show, feel free to give us a rating and a review, and we always welcome your feedback anytime. If you're ready to master the art of heart, my new book, The Heart-Centered Leadership Playbook, is now available on Amazon, or you can click the link below in our description.